Welcome to the Freedom Frontline Podcast. As always, this podcast will be completely raw, completely unfiltered, and completely uncensored. Today's episode is with a very, very good friend of mine. Her name is Stephanie Sibio. She's a fitness and nutrition expert, a mother of one, and the founder of 100 Million Moms. 100 Million Moms is a movement that empowers mothers all over the world to stand up against injustice and protect their rights to natural health and medical freedom. She's an absolute warrior, a true Canadian patriot, and somebody that I draw inspiration from. I would highly suggest that you stick around for this full discussion. Buckle up, guys. Here we go. You know, just hanging out. How you doing? I'm good. I just—it's been a day. Yeah, it's been a—it's been a hell of a last little while. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a year. <laughs> That's it, man. Going on year two. I don't know about you, but um, I'm I'm fucking done at this point. Like, yeah. that's enough now. Now it's about just kind of you know taking care of those around you, and it's about all you can do. So let's uh, let's get into some of the nitty gritty. So for those that don't know, which I find hard to believe. Um, so Steph from 100 Million Moms, <laughs> tell us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what inspired you to create 100 Million Moms. OK, well, my background, um, which a lot of people actually don't think know this, um, but my background, I've been in the fitness industry for since 2010. I went to school for kinesiology. I've always been fascinated by the human body and optimizing health. And, you know, I grew up like I ate well sometimes, I ate not so well sometimes. But I knew that um, at a certain point I figured out that you know, how you treat your body directly affects how you feel and how, you know, their quality of life. And um, so I went to school for kinesiology, started doing personal training, and I started realizing, wait a second, these people are not seeing any results. Um, They're coming to me once a week, and then they're like, you know, pointing the finger at me when they don't see results after a few months when I do their fitness testing. And I realized, oh, the people that are seeing results are actually the people that A, are more consistent than once a week and B, are taking care of what's going into their mouth. And so I decided to go back to school eventually for holistic nutrition. And that I kind of felt was like a good toolbox to have to be able to help people with their health and fitness when you go to school for holistic nutrition, you talk a lot about heavy metals, which brings the vaccine conversation into play. And um, I had always been a little bit hesitant. I was vaccinated as a child because my mom thought it was the right thing to do. I was actually born in Quebec where vaccines were not mandated. And so my mom was like, well, I better go get them vaccinated because nobody around here is is doing it. So, um, you know, live and learn. Uh, 
but I mean, I was born in 1986, so I'd be curious. I, I don't actually know which vaccines I have and which ones I don't, but I, I digress. Um, that, <laughs> that became to me a focus because I knew I wanted to be a mom. Um, at that point, I was already in a committed relationship and I, you know, started to have the conversation like, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about this vaccine stuff. I'm not really sure. It doesn't feel right to me, but like, I don't know enough. So I kind of did some surface research and was like, okay, I think I know enough to know that I don't want to vaccinate my child. Um, fast forward to February, 2020. Um, my group of high school friends was having a conversation on our group chat about this, like, you know, pandemic that was coming from China. And uh, I didn't even, I never watched the news. I've never been a political person and they kind of all really were. So I always relied on my information through them. Um, but when I first, when they first started talking about it, I was like, honestly, guys, like, I'm more afraid of dying in a car accident or getting shot. Like, I'm not afraid of like some virus. Yeah. I mean, to kill us, like, and they all were like outraged at that. And then it came to surface how they all really felt about my decision not to vaccinate my child, which more outrage, more like, you know, pointing fingers and um, you know, none of them are mothers. And so I kind of, you know, long story short was pushed out of that group. And it was very difficult because this was like, you know, February, 2020, March, 2020, the lockdown started and I'm like, oh my God, we're in a lockdown and I have no friends, no support. And like, I'm alone. Like I, I, nobody I know is thinking the way that I am, but I would turn on the news and I would see like the case numbers and the death numbers. And then I was like doing the calculations and I was asking my partner, like he's a math guy and so I was like am I doing the math wrong or is it like 0.000% of people that are dying from this right now like and people are all freaking out so I was just posting those numbers and I was getting messages like you're minimizing the severity of the pandemic like how dare you <laughs> and I was like whoa whoa like I was doing some math like this is I was you know and then uh. um mass exodus all of my because i worked in postpartum health and fitness so i always kept my opinions very very quiet about vaccines about anything that was controversial because i didn't want to affect anyone else's decisions i knew what i wanted to do for myself but i was very happily doing it quietly um but then you know all my friends fucked off and i was like shit i got nothing to lose i could just speak my mind now and not worry about what anyone has to say and so uh, yeah posted this video of uh crystal teeny yeah <laughs> talking like laying it all out of like what's really going on and this was in march like right at the beginning she was on it but it was all like pretty new to me because i wouldn't i wasn't really digging down all of the conspiracy rabbit holes like my brother like was trying to explain things to me from time but i was like i just want to live my life and get to choose what goes into my body that's all I don't really care about anything else like yeah i'm sure like you know obama has concentration camps set up around the states but like i i i don't know i can't dig into any of that stuff i just want to live my life but then so i posted that video of her kind of i can't remember even what it was about it was about the um you know obviously the pandemic and where this is all headed and i posted it with a caption of like if you want to think critically about this stuff then 
take a look at this video. Right. And oh my God, it got attacked. <laughs> and at first it was very difficult to, to get that amount of heat, you know, from people. And I was like, I would read a message and I would start like having like an adrenal reaction. Like my, my limbs would start shaking. My heart would start racing. I would be like sweating and be like, Oh my God. Like I would op turn on my phone and look at open Instagram and be like, ah, I can't, I can't deal with this. Like, this is crazy. The hate that I'm getting right now. But over time I started to kind of just get used to it and, and realize that my opinions were, were strong and they, they kind of clashed with the mainstream narrative. And, and I started to be okay with that. And then a friend of mine contacted me and was like, look, we know this, uh, I know this activist in Vancouver, her name is Susan Stanfield. She's looking for someone uh, to help her like create this movement and so I got on the phone with her and I explained to her my story and she kind of like chuckled. She was like, ah, you're walking through the fire. <laughs> She'd already been through it. She'd been an activist. She was a human rights activist for like the last 20 years. So she's like, you know, she's used to standing against the grain. And she was like, look, I have this idea and it's like a monthly March movement. So we can get like, you know, uh, a group of moms from every city around the world to do a March every month in whatever capacity they feel is right for them because not everyone's going to be like out with their megaphones and right. their like signs and yelling and but there's people there's mothers especially who want to stand up against what's going on but they don't want to do it in a big way they want to do it in an intimate setting and maybe just go for a walk through the park and like have good conversation about you know what's going on and so i said yeah i can help you do that and i you know i'm pretty like tech savvy i can help you build the instagram and um ended up like becoming a partner in this and um sorry and time kind of went by we did a march in high park and we had like five moms and we put little signs like love over fear and like my body my choice and walked and we had some like good conversations with people in the park and um it was fine. Our kids came, they ran around, we walked through the zoo. And I think this was in like April or May. And, uh, you know, planning the next one and our, our this, this was kind of spreading like wildfire, all these moms were like, what is this mom movement of like people who are speaking up, like, I want to get in on this because there were, you know, it was kind of like taboo to to speak up especially being a mom because you see all of these moms groups on facebook and they're all talking about like which rice cereal they started their kids on and how when they're <laughs> when what happened after they got their latest vaccine yeah. it was interesting because i thought like as a postpartum fitness professional i thought that i didn't connect with my audience because i wasn't a mom yet and then i had a baby and i was like hmm still nothing <laughs> <laughs> so then i realized because i'm not conventional i do things my own way i don't follow I, I i move to the beat of my own drum you know like if if something doesn't feel right to me i don't go with it just because the masses have gone with it and and that's what i i, I moved with with integrity and what felt right for me um and then you know this movement started and the falling out with my friends made me realize that I actually, although I knew that I didn't want to vaccinate my child, I didn't have the like, 
the background, the, the information in my head to have the conversation. Now, if someone wants to come at me with a vaccine debate, like come at me, I got all the facts. But back then it was like, I, I'm not doing it because it doesn't feel right. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, yeah. um, and so it kind of all just happened. Like it, it, when you look back on things, it's all kind of magical how things work themselves out because yeah. although I felt like alone and like nobody understood me, I was approached with this opportunity to partner with a hundred million moms. And then it brought the community to me that I've always been searching for like-minded mothers who just think for themselves, really. I don't have to agree with every single thing everyone thinks, you know, no, but no, nobody does like to, I think too many people have that unrealistic expectation of like, you know, if we're going to talk and be friends, then we must agree every time, all the time. And it's like, well, no, like I kind of want, I kind of want more of a balance. Like I want you to battle me when I'm wrong, when I'm fucking up. I want you to point that out. When you think I went a little too far overboard, I want you to say that to my face. Right. Yes. I want you to tell me like, dude, you, you were a dick. <laughs> right. So I can address that and fix it. But yeah. um, so I also wanted to ask you, like, what was the history of the name? Right. Cause hundred million moms hey, is, so is, uh, that's unique. Yeah. It's a, it's a very simple strategy that Susan came up with. Um, she said, you know, I really want to affect a lot of moms and it doesn't take a lot to affect change. All we need is 10,000 moms that each have a reach of 10,000 moms and 10,000 times 10,000 is a hundred million. And if Kim Kardashian could build a following that large, then damn it, so can we. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I like that. And and so that's that's kind of the basis that's the simple basis of the name like we just want to have this you know effect that just this ripple effect that um helps moms connect across the world and so susan ended up going on to do other bigger and important things and she's like i'm gonna leave this to you like you've got a good handle on it and take it in the direction that you feel is right and at first I was like, oh man, like, how am I going to do this? Cause like, yeah, it's overwhelming. Like, that's she's a tall the, order. She's the brains. Like, how am I, I'm not an activist. I'm just a mom who like cares about my natural health, but that was the basis of a hundred million moms really. Um, but she knew all the lingo and how to like fight the system and do all that stuff. And I was like, okay, well you can still be an expert. Like Susan will come in and um, drop some knowledge for us once in a while. But I said, what, can I make this platform into that can be helpful and that can be um, effective at, at creating change. And the two things that I came up with is community and education. So my goal is, cause I don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. No. So my goal is to bring on people who have different perspectives that can share with us, right? Doctors and scientists and teachers and, you know, politicians, whoever they, whoever it is, again, I might not agree with everything they have to say, right. but I want to hear their perspectives as like, how, what do you think is going on and how do you think we're going to move the dial in the right direction to bring life back to normal? And, and I think that's why, 
quite honestly. I, I genuinely think that's, that's exactly what kind of threw me in your direction was I kind of, obviously when we were part of the movement, you start seeing, you know, the main people. And in the beginning, there was very few, right? There, there wasn't very many. All it was is basically you speak out, you get attacked. And then it started organically snowballing into this thing that it is now, right? But I think that's exactly what pulled the pulled me in in your direction was your ability to kind of, you know, find professionals and pick their brain. Because, dude, I remember when you had uh, Roman Baber on. And at the time, I was so like, we're getting fucked. Like, why do you sound like such a bitch? Right. You, you want to do everything like a lawyer, like grow some balls, man. I was in the comment section like you pussy. Right. I remember like, you know, like and it was I. Wait, you were saying that to me or to Roman? <laughs> oh, to him, because I was like, dude. Like you're supposed to be this big guy, and you're like, oh, you know, I I don't want to see any non or uh, you know United uh, non-compliance. Oh my god, that blew gotta, people's so minds. Was like, was like no non-compliance. We were like, what? <laughs> yeah, and I remember being in the comment section, and like hindsight's twenty twenty, and I think of it now, like, wow, you you handled that like such a fucking child. Like Eric, you should have like not said anything because all the messages after were like, why are you attacking him? He's the only politician at the time. I was like, man, fuck this guy. But now it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, I could have been a lot nicer to you, but but that's that's what I'm getting at, though, is like you've always had people on there, whether you agree or not, to at least give their professional perspective, because for whatever reason, people don't want to listen to us. We don't wear a white coat. We don't have all these crazy PhDs. We don't have all these three letter words beside our name. We're just some random people. So how many times have you heard? Oh, you're not a doctor. I get that 10 times a day. Like, it, it's so old. Like, Sorry, your doctor's an idiot. I'm sorry to tell you that. All right. <laughs> But, you know, I think that's where 100 Million Moms really in my like, well, from when I was introduced to it took off was when you started holding those kind of interviews. So do you think that the way you started to take that like directionally, um, do you feel that it's like as effective as it could be? Because like from being an onlooker, it seems almost like it's more than you expected, because sometimes I see you with these guests and they're just like blowing everyone's minds what they're saying. Right. So do you think that the direction you took it in was a was a compliment right to the movement? I think it was definitely a compliment to the movement. Do I never think that I'm doing enough. Never. I, I that's always... you, man. You're so a type like go, 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 go. Right? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, you know, I've got so much going on in my life and I'm like, yeah. I, I wish that I could be doing so much more with this, but it is an unpaid position. And like I'm a single mom. And so yes. I have to like figure out how to make my life work at the same time as I'm, I'm doing what I can. So I think I, it's the best that I can do for right now. And I think that the perspectives that I'm sharing and the messages and the feedback I'm getting from people is very positive. And so I, I have to uh, kind of pat myself on the back for that. Like, you know, it, it's, it's hard for me to give myself credit. Um, and there's always more that we could be doing, but I think that, I think that it's the best thing that we could do right now is to put information in people's hands because we're dealing with a modern day book burning situation right now. And um, if I could amplify the messages of people who have something to say, like, then I'm going to do that. And, and that, that can be effective. And if I help, you know, like I had like uh, Jody Meschuk on and, and she talked about like, reversing her son's autism and if that can reach one mom who has an autistic son yes. to get like raw camel milk into their kid <laughs> 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 yeah. 
then I've done my job. Then I, yeah. you know, I, I can rest assured that like I've, I've done a good job and, and that's really just it. Like, I, I just want to leave this world a better place than, than I got it. And there are so many aspects that we can look at this from like, you know, how it's affecting the children, how it's affecting uh, businesses, how it's, you know, affecting mental health at large. Like there's so many angles that we can look at this from. Yeah. Um, and so I'm trying to get all of the different perspectives as it relates, especially to women and, and children. Right. Um, right. Absolutely. And, so- and, and, and that makes a ton of sense, but I, I do want to cover this because I think what you said is really, really important because I know there's so many women who were either single coming into it or became single because of difference of opinion. Um, how is it navigating through all of this and, being like the lead of what what I think is one of like the most one of one of the biggest like mom armies that I've ever seen right like so so how is that like how's that work life balance with being single mom and having all of this responsibility as a hundred million moms how, how do you make all that work how does all that fit well I humble myself down because I am not a lead I am one mom in this community of like amazing women. Your wife's part of our group. I'm sure you see our chat group sometimes. Yeah. The information that comes through there, I'm like, I'm Actually, not worthy. Yeah. You guys are like, <laughs> oh my God, like these people They're could amazing. run the world. Like these are amazing women that have so much to say and so much to offer. I'm just the facilitator. And even then, Sometimes I'm like, guys, I can't keep up with this group and other people facilitate for me. Um, and so I, I feel like it's my job to put out the resources, the education and the, um, you know, the instruction on like how people can connect with one another. And then I just got to step back and let it happen. Right. Because I can't be there every second i can't connect with every single person and be you know a leader to everyone because i barely know what the hell i'm doing half the time right like mm-hmm. you know especially like when i talk to you and i and and i hear things about like getting like set up for like you know the apocalypse <laughs> like making sure you have like food and water and the ability to like make all of these things happen like yeah. I don't know shit. <laughs> so I'm going to rely on people who do know to, you know, create this web of getting all the bases covered. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So it, it's not like to me, I, I have a pulse on like our social media. I have a pulse on our groups. I have a pulse on like the people that I want to get on to interview the, the topics that I want to have covered and then aside from that, I kind of just like a hundred million moms is not me. hundred million moms is the moms that make up the community. And, um, and I just want to give as many people a voice as I possibly can. And, um, you know, as I said, my thing really comes down to like the vaccine issue. And that's where my, um, like I could talk for days about, about vaccine issues and um, you know, well, let's uh, let, let, let's kind of build off that then let's, let's start to unpack this thing. Cause I think 
you know, a lot of people would love for there to be a live where you just, you know, kind of discuss this with someone else. Cause when you're discussing it with someone like-minded thought just seems to flow. Right. Sure. So let's kind of unpack that. So um, I guess one of my first questions to you just off of what you've said would be, what did you notice in the beginning when they started talking about these vaccines and everyone was so gung ho, so happy about it. And how did you like, what did you notice in with the moms as a collective? Like, did you notice that some were kind of like, yeah, I think I'm going to, and then no, I think I'm not. And what was that like within the hundred million moms group? So first of all, before the vaccine was even a, a mention when, when pandemic came out and virus came out, my friend group was very, very uh, left wing dominant. And so they were already, <laughs> listen, I don't have a political <laughs> agenda. I don't, I'm not left. I'm not right. I don't subscribe to a religion. I don't subscribe to a political stance. I am me and yep. I can pull from, from whatever I believe on both sides. All right. Well, well I'll, I'll, I'll come out and say it. Um, Eric himself thinks that leftism is a fucking disease (laughs) (laughs) not not being on the political left but leftism is a fucking disease right and and so i've kind of learned that because as as soon as there was like oh my god guys there's a pandemic one of them said everybody make sure you get the vaccine as soon as it comes out and i was like (laughs) what the fuck Who's even talking about a vaccine? And how do you know there's going to be one for this? They know they're so indoctrinated and so brainwashed that they knew that that was the agenda without even giving it credit that that was an agenda. (laughs) It was like February of 2020. And they were talking about, make sure you get the vaccine as soon as it comes out. Like, holy shit. And so that's how this COVID conversation turned into a vaccine conversation. And I immediately had to leave every single Facebook group. I was a part of every mom's group on Facebook because I was a postpartum fitness professional. So I'm like, I need to be in these groups. Even before I was a mom, I was in these groups. Yeah. See, like, how does my target audience think, right? I left every single group because it was all the same narrative. And it was this, it, it was, again, everything came to light as to why I didn't connect with my audience. Yeah. And then when I when I found 100 million moms or I created 100 million moms and I drew all of these women towards me that believed in natural health, I was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. I was overwhelmed. Like to hang out with a group of like 12 moms who all have unvaccinated babies. I was like, is this real? Look at these beautiful thriving like oh my god these healthy curious bright-eyed children that were just like my daughter and we weren't talking about like rice cereal my daughter's first food was liver yeah oh my god organ meats just for everybody that doesn't know they are so nutrient dense that you can only eat them once to twice per week or you can have some serious health implications because they are that potent i'm sorry i just had to drop that in there that is, no, that's absolutely the case. And, and the reason that I started my daughter on it is because they're so rich in iron and they um, babies have about a six month span where they have an iron store that they kept from your body. 
and then they run out of iron by the time they reach that six month mark, which is why it's a good time to start feeding solids at around that time because they need iron rich foods, right? Mm -hmm. But being able to have these conversations with people without them like rolling their eyes at me and like, Steph, not everything has to do with food. It's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it it kind of does though. Kind of, kind of what you put in this machine, <laughs> this mechanical sheet machine called the human body. Yeah. It kind of has something to do with it. It's like someone saying, uh, car running doesn't rely on gas. It's not all about gas for a car to run. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah it kind of is. Yeah, because all those little features that you have don't fucking matter if you can't turn it on. Right? Exactly. So. Exactly. So, so it was... was- it was overwhelming to, to have these, like, like, I didn't know that they existed. I, I literally thought I was this like lone ranger, you know, nobody is going to understand me and my decisions, but I didn't, I, I didn't care. Mm-hmm. But finding people was really, really a breath of fresh air. Hell yeah. So yeah. do you notice that most of the people that are in there now are there are their kids already vaccinated or is it kind of like a uh, and I don't mean with the this COVID poison I mean just like with the normal vaccine schedule vaxes none of them have like there's a few that have kids who have gotten a few vaccines and they're regretful because now that they're around all of us they're like oh damn I didn't know all this I can't say anything about it because, um, you know, with all of the health knowledge and studying that I've done on anatomy and it's really, uh, it kind of pisses me off that my kids have been vaxxed. Um, and I wish I could go back, but it's kind of like, you know, it is what it is. What's done is done. Um, luckily with those vaxxes, you can detox, right? I'm just lucky that neither one of them was affected. My son may have asthma from one of them. I'm not entirely sure. But both of them, luckily, luckily, have always been super alert. Uh, they never lost eye contact or anything like that. So I kind of lucked out. But I mean, when you hear the horror stories of these these poor kids, right? I mean, they're getting shots with all these, you know, all this aluminum in them, and they can't purge it out till the gallbladder forms when they're two, right? So it's kind of it's a it's a very strange situation. So that's why I ask, right? Is it you know th- there may be a couple that are in there, but my guess is a majority of them were you know, just like anti-vax anyway, not even anti, just, you know, educated on the matter. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the anti-vax term is something that people use as a derogatory term, but um, I have a couple things to say about that. First of all, for anyone who's listening, who is regretful, um, who Mm -hmm. has done research since, the, the only thing that you can say is that do the best you can with the information you have. And when you know better, you do better. That's it. And another thing I'm going to say about this is, you know, I'm going to get a little spiritual on your ass for a second, but Do it up. I, Let's go. <laughs> I am a big believer in every experience that we have in this human form is for a reason. So if a child is vaccinated and they have an adverse reaction, that was part of their soul's purpose to come here and go through that adversity. So you have to forgive yourself as a parent, whether you have a kid who's vaccinated and they're fine or a kid who's vaccinated and they're not fine. You know, even God forbid the ones who have had children who have passed from these uh, vaccine injuries, that that was their purpose. They came here to learn something or to teach something and to and then their soul moved on to the next task 
So when you think about life like that, you forgive yourself for any decisions that you make, because I really do think that we're here to experience hardship and adversity. 100%. That's the only way that our soul can grow. And I actually want to build on that is, and this may come off a little off-putting to some people because it's very, very simple. In regards to the vaccinations, like you don't know what you don't know, right? That's how I explain it to people. Look, I regret it, blah, blah, blah. Look, I don't need your whole fucking book. I'm just going to tell you right now, stop typing this to me. Forgive yourself because you didn't know. So what does it matter? It's done now. You can't go back and change it. So you want to dwell on it. That's fine. And here's where it gets a little controversial in Eric world. When I tell people all of the time, why is it that you think that you're born into this world and you just, for whatever reason, feel like you deserve happiness? It's this very, and I know it sounds cruel, but it's like, why do you think that life just owes you, you know, <laughs> to, for, for you to be happy? It, that, that honestly drives me nuts. Like, oh, well, this shouldn't be so hard. Well, it fucking is, okay? Because it's teaching you that you lack this area of something and it's trying to tell you that you probably want to learn this. So there's two ways you can go about it. You can either struggle through it and learn something or struggle through it and just struggle, <laughs> right? But it's it's one of those things, right? Like stop thinking that you are entitled to, you know, being happy. Like you are going to meet people that are going to, you know, do you wrong. Like in my case, I try not to harp on it too much. But like, I'm a person who's lost a son, like I've lost a child. So I know exactly what that feels like. But me and my wife also know that, man, the amount of shit that that experience taught me to take through the rest of my life. So it goes back to exactly what you're saying, right? Like, sure, it hurt like hell in the moment. But all the lessons that I learned during that month and a half of getting to know him before he left was one of those things that's like, you know, you can you can take a lot from that, right? Like, once you get over the emotional, you know, pressures of something like that, you can genuinely learn a shitload about yourself. And I'll be honest with you. What I learned was I am a fucking asshole, right? Like I learned that the hard way, right? Like I I take advantage of things that I shouldn't. I make sure like, and I was young, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I just, I I took the wrong path when I was younger in many, many things. And it's just like, you know, I I always took things for granted as though they're going to be here tomorrow. And, you know, all of these these little things that you just don't you're never grateful for. So that's why, like, if I'm ever explaining it to someone, I tell them like this, look, life is very simple. You wake up, you be grateful, you go to sleep. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> right. So I, I don't know. That was a little bit of a tangent and a rant. But no, but you know what? Life will keep throwing the same lesson at you until that lesson is learned. So you yeah. have all of these people who are especially now triggered, right? Triggered by everything. Everything is like, oh, oh, I'm so offended. I'm so triggered. Sit with that fucking trigger. Yeah. Sit with it, feel the pain, see what it has to teach you and then let it percolate up and out so that you can move the fuck on because otherwise it's going to keep coming back to you. It's going to keep coming and triggering you. Like, my mom had a, a rough childhood and um, I was trying to explain this to her, the necessity of like sitting with the discomfort and working through it. And her response was, oh no, I can't. that sounds <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I'm like, well, uh, this is why you're never gonna get past it. 
You're always going to have these resentments. You're always going to have these negative feelings and you're always going to do things that are, are not necessarily positive to get through them. You know, this is why people have drinking problems and eating binging problems and yeah. they're trying to distract from the issue. Whereas sit with it, cry, punch a punching bag, do something. As long as you're not hurting anybody, mm-hmm. feel the anger and let it come out energetically in any way that it needs to come out. Yeah. Again, as long as you're not hurting anyone, then it's a positive response to that feeling. But our generation and the generation before us were raised on, don't be angry, don't be sad, suck it up, you're fine. So now when I'm sad and my daughter's around, I don't run into the other room to cry. I cry right in front of her and she says, mommy, are you sad? And I say, yeah, baby, I'm feeling sad. And she'll say, okay, you need a hug? And I'll say, yeah, that would be really nice. And she gives me a hug. And then she says, sometimes I feel sad too. And she's not even three years old yet. And then it just, and stuff like that too. Like it's so important for a parent to do that because now you've created that dialogue. You've opened up an area for a really important conversation as to like, you know, well, why is mommy crying? And then you're forced to kind of not only deal with it, but now the thing I love about this scenario is now you're forced to dumb it down a little because you're coming down to the level of a child. So it makes your real complex situation. You almost simplify it for yourself and you're like, (laughs) Oh shit. Right. (laughs) Like it wasn't that bad. Right. Dude. I I couldn't agree with what you're saying more. That's amazing. Yeah. So we got to feel, we got to feel it out and let ourselves. um, And then, yeah. Coming back to just forgiving yourself for decisions that you made that maybe you're not happy with and, uh, and just accepting that it's all part of the, the process. And yeah. then when we're done learning what we have to learn, we're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to move out of this physical body yeah. into the spiritual realm or whatever, whatever is on the other side, wherever our soul is going to go. I mean, whatever your belief system is, I'm sure there's some truth and some falsities to whatever, like, you know, but we're going to move on from this and then we're going to maybe come back into the physical realm again and learn some more lessons. So when you think of life as a cyclical soul's journey, then all of a sudden this fear of death goes away. And that's the real pandemic right now. Everyone is afraid of dying, and it's like, um. Oh man, and they're you so know afraid. What's going to happen to you? Yeah. Right? Like, it's 100% not a matter of mortality if. rate, right? Hundred percent mortality rate. Life has. So, and, 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 and what, what you're saying makes makes a lot of sense there, because it's almost like, man, people are so worried about not fucking dying right now that they're forgetting to live, and it's it's painful to watch. Very. It really is. So, do you think that that a lot of the the hundred million moms group thinks like this, like they have that kind of like, no, um, the system is already fucked. It's garbage. Like it always has been. Everything about it is trash. The school system is just little indoctrination centers where now they're teaching kids things that make me fucking enraged inside. And I have to look at my kids like, Oh, thank God you're homeschooled. Right. (laughs) Because I just, no more of this system. So do you notice in a hundred million moms that, uh, you know, people are pulling out of the school systems, they're, they're starting to withdraw pensions and liquid, uh, you know, liquidate all their assets. Like how's all that going with, with that group? So 
there are different schools of thought, but I think for the most people, people are anti the system, right? People want to pull out of the system. There's different, different, we have different subgroups for different types of conversations, right? Like people who want to learn how to like shoot a gun and like protect themselves. There's people who want to like learn how to escape. People want to learn how to homeschool or whatever the case may be. We have different subgroups for for those topics and i think most most of us are on the side of like fuck the system at this point let's let's create a new and better world for our kids the tricky part is for the parents who have older children who really just want to go to school they want to go and be with their friends and the, the the older kids have it the worst because they remember how it used to be and yeah, it was always an indoctrination center and whatever, but it was still like, I'm still kind of grieving the fact that like, my kid's not gonna have the experience that I had of like being in a classroom with 30 people with all different races and all different lifestyles. And like, you know, the diversity that I got to see growing up and what I learned from that, like, you know, like the school of hard knocks, you know, you learn yeah. through. Yeah. And then you also, you like, you, you learn the social hierarchy, right? Like when they started getting rid of things, like I remember, um, like I'm 32, I'm not too sure how old you are, but so, so, so we're so close. Yeah. So then like when we were in elementary school, like a lot of the schools had mixed classes where you'd have like grade one through eight would play outside at recess at the same time. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's so fucking important is like, you know, a young kid is getting bullied. So one of the older kids will come in, step in. And then, you know, this kid draws influence to be like, it, it was just, man, it, it was this really strange, like nature kind of cycle where it was just, you learn to kind of hang with yourself. You learned how to find your tribe. You learned how to stick with them. You learned what would get you into trouble, what would keep you safe. And right, like you really learned all that stuff now. So it, it's, how do you feel about this? Like, how do you feel about like, if everybody was to start homeschooling and stuff, like, do you think that we would just have a group of kids in 10 years that were, that are absolutely like antisocial? Or do you think that children would thrive because groups like yours would be around? I think that it depends on the parents. I think we have a responsibility to be very thoughtful about how we go about this. Um, we are not necessarily going to have the systems in place, like the group sports and all of the activities that kids, the field trips and all the things. So we need to make that shit happen on our own watch for our kids. Right. So I really love the idea of pods. Even if you're homeschooling your kids, can you get them together with like a group of kids in the area once a week to do like go explore nature or teach them something set up field trips for them have a soccer coach come and do a four-week session with them like just kids need structure and they need to be socialized so you can do homeschooling really well or you can do homeschooling not well right if a kid is stuck in a in a home with an abusive parent who's calling them stupid and has no patience for them versus a kid who's homeschooled and has, you know, a community of other children that they can meet with. That's going to be a very different outcome. So we just have to be very thoughtful. And I'm, I'm really grateful that my daughter is only three because I feel like I have another year 
just kind of watch how everything pans out. We got all these things popping up. All everyone's having these ideas of like, okay, how can we, now we have a blank slate. How can we do differently and how can we do better for our kids? And I'm going to get to choose in a year from now, like, okay, where in the world do I want to be? First of all, uh, and who do I want my children to be associated with and what values are important to me and, and what community is going to create that. So maybe a hundred million moms can, can create some type of school program, or maybe we're going to piggyback off an existing one, like roots and wings is great. They're creating like little amazing. five children pods all over the place. And it's like, that's what we need to see. We're not all going to be good at everything. And you're not going to be able to like teach your child like another person will because mom is always like you you know like if your mom tells you something you're like yeah whatever mom yeah. and then if a teacher tells you you're like oh okay got it so we yeah. need to put our children into the hands of other people so that they can not only learn from other people other than their parents but learn about different perspectives and personalities and walks of life like i don't want my daughter to be around only white people. I was just about to say that, like the, just the diversity of like skin tone and, and culture. And cause honestly, look, I hate so much that people say, Oh, I don't see color. I'm like, stop virtue signaling. Okay. Yes, you do. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it's acknowledging that that's a whole other culture. And instead of believing what the news tells you, I guarantee you, if you have ever been to a cookout of any other nationality, other than what you're used to, you're going to learn some shit <laughs> because it's, it, it's, it's a life that, especially the elders, right? Like I want my kids to be able to sit with, you know, grandmas and, and, and grandfathers from every nationality. Like I did as like where I grew up, I grew up on Jane and Weston, like the hood. Right. But when people think it's so bad because of all the shootings and stuff, like they don't understand how, how nice of a place it was because we'd all get together at the park and there would be thousands of people the you'd have you know the the chinese people the the our, our black folks the latinos the the somalians the albanians and they all came together to cook so it was like you'd walk down a line of picnic tables and you'd be just speaking to elders as you're eating their food and to tell you how they they their mom taught them to make this and it, they used to make it out of this back home but because they're here they make it out of this instead and dude it's it's mind blowing the stories and, and, and the, and I think that's why our generation was like the last generation that had the ability to kind of say like, look, while I can acknowledge that racism exists, like, does it really? Cause I mean, like, I just, I didn't experience that. And I was the minority where I grew up. Right. But I was never, I never felt like that. Cause everyone was so like, the community was the community. So like, I honestly fear for our kids not being able to, to have that. And one thing I am glad though, is I don't have cable. I haven't had cable for like the last seven, eight years. So I don't watch the news. My kids don't see commercials. They don't, none of that exists in our house. Right. So I think that's super important, but what, what are the other things that, that you do think that kids are going to miss out on if we're not careful? Well, culture is a big one. Um, just, I think we, I think we touched on everything, you know, like we just need, we need diversity of everything. Like as a, as a personal trainer, I talk about like diversity of movement. If you're just doing 
bench press and deadlifts all the time, your body is not going to be well suited for life. You need to do everything. You need to move in all different directions. When it comes to food, you can't just eat chicken and broccoli. You got to eat all of the different plants and animal foods and the quality of, you know, every, the quality of food obviously is important, but just a variety, different colors. We need to experience different people. We need to experience different cultures, different ages. So I believe that we can create this. Um, but this is, this is something I struggle with a lot because you hear a lot of people like, oh, we're going to have to live like off the grid in the country. Yeah. I'm like, that scares me. I love being a city girl because I am so comfortable access diversity i don't want to see yeah. monoculture neighborhoods i don't want to be surrounded by only white people that is boring as shit i want to see i want to hear you know if you follow me on my glowing mama fit account you'll know that i'm like obsessed with reggae music and like i love yeah. i just love like tropical music and culture and food and you know just all of it. Like I love, I loved in elementary school, we had a, a class called heritage and we could learn about our own heritage. I took yeah. like Italian heritage, but then you learn from like all the other students who take like Chinese heritage or whatever yeah, it is, Indian heritage. And then we learn from each other about different cultures. And so I think that we really need to be aware of that and, and ensure that we keep making room for, for diversity. And I also think that kids growing up now in the school system, I really feel for them because kids are being taught now that you're automatically a racist. Oh, that critical race theory. And for anyone right. listening to this, I just want to let you know that if you believe that critical race theory is something good to teach to a child, you're a fucking moron. It is not something that children need to learn. And if you think like that, you are a straight up moron. You're an idiot. There's no reason for you to be even suggesting any way to teach children if you believe that that's a good thing to do is tell a kid that you should be judging people by the color of their skin. I don't care what color you are. You know what that is? That's called racism, right? So to teach it to our youth is dumb. It does no one any favors. Instead, do what we used to have. I remember when we used to have those weeks at school where you'd come in and you'd have to bring every day of the week either a, a food or a piece of the history or an outfit or mm -hmm. of your culture and dude it was fucking amazing right now what's that called cultural appropriation uh, i tell right. people that say that i'm like cultural appropriations would beat you up all right, right. So, now, <laughs> so now we're raising a, a um a generation of children who literally are too afraid to to question to ask a question it's terrible and to create an original thought Right. Or to ask someone who is a different culture than them a question about their culture, because they're like, I don't know, is that racist? Right. Like, I remember when uh, the George Floyd incident happened, like my one of my stepsons was was dating a black girl and he's like, I don't even know what to say to her. And I'm like, J like, it, nothing it changes, man. So awkward for these kids because yeah. they think that anything they say is go going to be deemed racist and they don't want to be called racist. Yeah. And they so and they shouldn't be. They should be allowed to ask questions. Like you know, let's look into the the numbers of like police brutality. Let's look into all of the different ways that systemic racism plays into our our society. And here's what we can do about it. And but but I have a big problem with with teaching children that they're like inherently. 
yeah. racist. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it, and, it boggles and, my mind. And for everybody to be taught as well that like systemic racism is this giant fucking plague is like, no man, like this is again, them trying to highlight an issue to keep you in that, that realm of the matrix. Like if you just live, yeah. And, and that's what it is because in North America, we all have the, there's too many successful people of every color, creed, thought, religion, sexuality, gender, for me to say, oh, yeah, it's systemically one way or another. Like, if you want it, you go get it, right? Are there certain struggles? Yeah. Do people have DNA that uh, of, you know, like, are our thoughts that, like, from your ancestors who had, like, a shitty past, are, are do those get transferred down in your DNA? Science says yes, right? Like, you know, these are things that, you know, you do have triggers from, you know, things that have happened to people generations ago. So I think just we need to come to this common ground where it's like, look, this is the way it is, but things are not as extreme as the media makes them seem, right? Like there's so much more love in the world than we choose to acknowledge because we're constantly fed this hate message and it's, it's frustrating. You know what I mean? But it's also cherry picked, right? Like if you want to talk systemic racism, let's talk about how um, vaccines have been used to try oh. to black Indian people forever. Yeah. <laughs> Yet you have all these as you call it, the leftists that are saying, I got my vaccine because I'm protecting the black community. Actually, the black community would be better off if you didn't do that. Because (laughs) they have been they have been trying to target them and sterilize them and kill them off since mm-hmm. the beginning of time. 100%. And now, yep. what yep. are they saying? The first people that need to get this vaccine are black and indigenous people. And what, oh, it's because they're such wonderful people that they just want to protect the black and indigenous people. Or Bullshit. history repeats itself and you're trying to test them first, right? right? This is the thing, right? They try to tell you that they care and then they it's so funny to hear this come from someone else because usually I'm the guy that starts saying this and people are just kind of either they don't know how to take it because it, it makes a lot of sense, but they're afraid to agree with it because I'm like, dude, you can disagree with part of my message. That's completely fine. Like mm-hmm. I love the fact that you do. Cause now let's, let's talk about it. Let's find out why. Right. And, and maybe I'll learn something. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe we won't learn anything, but we'll have had a discussion right there is what we have lost the discussion everyone is so afraid of being quote-unquote canceled cancel culture fuck you if you're a person or a group or and you listen to this fuck you i have no respect for it (laughs) (laughs) that's it cancel culture can kiss my ass i'm not bending over to it but um canceled many of times and that's it and and there's still 100 million moms and growing so we're still there we're still kicking 100 percent. so let's get into the vaccines now because this is something that i know you as well as myself have taken huge huge problems with um so these untested gene therapies and then people calling you anti-vax and you explained it the best so i kind of i don't know if you'll remember this but you know people call you anti-vax before and you'd say no but now it's kind of like you fucking right i am (laughs) right so let's get into that like what what started that off with you um and how strongly do you feel about you know not getting any of these inoculations so as i mentioned earlier the anti-vax term is a derogatory term to villainize vilify us and and treat us as the the other 
we are the the dirty disease spreaders that the the Jews were in the in the 1930s, right? And this is a very controversial topic because it's got me called anti-Semite many a times. But really, what I'm trying to shine light on is as soon as you segregate a portion of the community and point the finger at them, like they are the dirty disease spreaders, it's a big fucking problem. Huge. So let's not let history repeat itself. So I'm going to talk about this now and get kicked in the face for it a million times. And I'll take those kicks with a smile on my face. If it means that we don't have to go down the same dark road that they went in, in, uh, you know, at at the end of the 1930s. So I've always had a problem with the anti-vax term because I am not anti-vax. I am live and let live. I didn't choose to vaccinate my kid, but you do whatever the fuck you want with your kid. That's where I stand. Because guess what? What you do do to your child, as much as it breaks my heart because I've done so much research on it and I know that there's a potential for harm to your child, I respect your decision as a parent Absolutely. And I also know that your decision is not going to affect me and my child. So do you. But now, now they want to come out with this gene therapy drug that is transmitting to people and affecting my reproductive health and my daughter's reproductive health. Yeah. So... Who am I going to blame when in 30 years from now, if my daughter's trying to have a child, but she can't because of all of this spike protein shedding transmission that's happening, who am I going to blame her grandparents that are going to be long underground by that point that they got the shot, but, but, oh, we cannot, we can't hold, keep her from her grandparents. That would be wrong. Oh, would it? So my daughter's long-term health matters less than than doing, you know, doing the right thing to let her grandparents get a couple more hugs before they kick the bucket. Not to sound in- insensitive, but it's oh, true. Hey. Yeah. So now, if your decision to inject yourself with this experimental drug is going to affect my health, then yes, you can now call me an anti-vaxxer because I'm not going to get it. I don't want you to get it. I don't want your mom to get it. I don't want the bus driver to get it. I don't want my kid's teacher to get it. I don't want anyone to get it. And if they did, I don't want them fucking around me. Yeah. And, and, and now it brings up this thing of like, you know, now you're an extremist because now you also don't want other people to get it. So now it's like, you're trying to control others and it's like, really, am I? So let me get this straight. So I'm trying to control you by doing research and understanding that this could affect you negatively in turn, which can affect me and everyone around me negatively. Right. But I'm just supposed to sit back and let you live in fucking clown world and think that the government, they, they're here to help, right? Like always um, when they create a problem and then also create the solution or fucking mm-hmm. use your head, right? How convenient. Um, yeah, pretty wild. Pretty <laughs> wild that you have the guy that created the computer, then created the virus, then created the antivirus, <laughs> all doing the vaccine thing. Like, guys, give your head a shake. But you what know, a coincidence. Yeah, it's is it right? <laughs> but it's one of these things that's like I'm not trying to control anybody, but you know, as much as I am pro liberty, like you have the liberty to choose, man. If you want to wear your mask, if you want to wear 18 of them and look like a fucking mesh Iron Man, I don't care. Do whatever you want to do. But 
when it turns into this thing where you could be affecting me and then yelling at me like, well, why don't you have it? And I might get the I might get sick because my vaccine doesn't work because you didn't get yours. Like what kind of fucking since when do people say when I get vaccinated? Right. It's it's so (laughs) I can still get things from the unvaccinated. Like, isn't your vaccine supposed to stop you from contracting things from other like I just don't get the logic and it, it hurts to think about. But it's not a new that's not a new concept, though. That's always been the fact. Yeah, that's always been why why pro-vaxxers, quote unquote, say you need to get it because, you know, there's some kids in Africa who don't have access to these vaccines. And if you don't vaccinate your child, then you couldn't be in turn killing them. (laughs) It's like, okay, did you know that they actually tested these vaccines on those African children and killed them? Okay, let's Uh, talk about that part. Actually, that that whole we we could. it's, (laughs) It's interesting. It's interesting because as soon as the mask mandates came out, they used the regurgitated vaccine narrative. I do. I wear mine to protect you. You wear yours to protect me. And it only works if we all do it. Which is so crazy because you know what they did? They did exactly what they've done to everyone forever. And I'm going to drop this knowledge on everyone right now. So the whole reason that social media and everything was created to get everybody to do the collective thinking so that when they decided to put a plan forward like this, you feel left out if you do not follow the collective and anyone else who didn't, the people that didn't do well in school, the people that are heavily tattooed, the people that never fell into the fucking system are now these outlaws and outliers all because we said, yeah, but I think that's stupid, (laughs) right? Like. (laughs) That makes no sense. <laughs> and it, it it's so inherently dumb that like critical thinking is now extremism. Right. So what do you think? What do you think we do for our kids at this point? Like, I know that waiting it out is about the only thing we can do. We need to see where it's going, what it will become and kind of adjust as, as the goalposts are moved. I guess we just constantly fucking chase them. Right. So what do you think we have to do for our kids if you, you know, are, are in our position where we're not buying any of this, we know better? Um, what, what do you think that the, you know, the solution is at the end of this? Like, how do you see all of this ending? Well, every war has to come to an end. Um, I think that we use this time of hardship and adversity to teach important lessons to our children as they arise instead of fearing because there's fear mongering on both sides right absolutely on our side too oh my god like the world is going to end there's going to be no more food they're going to turn the power off on us they're going to stick us all into concentration camps and force vaccinate us like okay let's just let's just relax I'm sure all of those things have the potential to happen but I'm not going to live my life in fear of those things I'm going to deal with my life today and I'm going to try because if, if it's one thing that young children teach you, it's how to live in the moment. Yes. Right. And so I'm going to live my life in the moment. I'm going to surround myself with like-minded people and make sure that my daughter grows up with other children around her, that she grows up seeing positive relationships. Yeah. She's not going to see me trying to hold on to friendships and relationships that I am not aligned with for the sake of anything she's going to see 
you know, I, I recently was separated. Her dad's a wonderful man. I have nothing against him, but I just did not feel aligned anymore. And so from a previous generation, you know, people would say, well, couldn't you have just stuck it out for the sake of your kid? Absolutely not. My daughter needs to see that when you are not living in alignment, you better make a move. Yeah. Even if it feels like you're jumping off a cliff into a fire, you better make that move. Because that's what, those are the important lessons that we need to teach our children. Yeah. So she's going to now see me living my truth living in alignment so being in front of people who i have positive relationships with and that's going to set her up for success in the long term you know i grew up with a lot of volatility a lot of fighting and my first couple relationships as a young adult i fell into that trap because i thought this is what relationships are you fight and you yell because that's what love is <laughs> That's what the, that's the marriage that I saw that I yeah. got access yeah. to. So who's to say if, you know, if my parents separated earlier, maybe I still would have fallen into that trap because we all learn through, you know, hardship and adversity as we've repeated a million times, but <laughs> um, our job as parents is to be an example. You know, I have all these parents who come to me as a nutritionist and they're like, my kid will only eat McDonald's. Like, I don't know what to do. It's like, well, Dude, they wouldn't what the know what McDonald's is if you weren't sitting beside them stuffing your face with it. Well, and, and there's another side to that too. <laughs> like my kid won't eat anything but McDonald's. Okay, well, here's what you do, numbnuts. You go home and you say, hey kid, you're not fucking eating till you eat this. And that's it. And they will get hungry and eventually they will eat that. And then you say, hey, you don't say, was that good? You say, hey, how does this make you feel? Right. right. When you eat strawberries, how do you feel? When you yeah. eat McDonald's, how do you feel? Right. Like I did that with my my kids young, like my daughter, especially real young. How yeah. does this make you feel? Look, honey, we're going to go eat a fruit salad. Right. And then we're going to go play at the park. And then the next day I'll take it from McDonald's and then we'll go play at the park. And then the third day I'll be like, what do you want to eat? And it's always I want the strawberries because I had no energy to go play yesterday. And it was like a light switch went off in her head. Yeah. But also a lot of parents are included into how does that make you feel? Yeah, so that's they're true. not going to be able to do that. Right. So they, and unless you know it, it, this is the whole point I'm trying to make is unless yeah. you exemplify yeah, right. something, your kids are not going to make the same decisions. My daughter like chugs sauerkraut juice <laughs> because she loves it. And but if I didn't so have sauerkraut, if I didn't have sauerkraut in my fridge all the time, yeah. And she wouldn't be doing that because it wouldn't be something that she has access to. And if I try to give sauerkraut to a kid who has never seen it before and they're 10, they're going to be like, ew, what is this? What's this white grass? All right. Yeah, that's gross, <laughs> yeah. right? But they, they lead, you lead through example. So I can't yeah. be sitting there eating French fries and trying to put, you know, some organic chicken and broccoli in front of my child. She's going to be like, I want what you're having. So you can't try to force something on your kids that you are not exemplifying. Yeah. So if, if we take that out of the food argument and into like the relationships, when my daughter's a teenager and she's with a piece of shit guy, I'm going to say we're, we can use the same tactics. How does that make you feel? Yeah. Does mommy exemplify that? Do you see the people that I have around me? Do you see that that these people are making me cry and making me upset? No, you see me 
uplifted and happy and smiling yeah. around these people because we want people around us that lift us up, not that tear us down. So if we don't live that example in every facet of our life in front of our kids, then they're not going to grow up with those fundamental skills to eat well, to move well, to choose good, make good choices, you know, in life. Yeah. Like I remember being asked not too long ago, like, how do I get my kid off a tablet? Hmm. And it's like, well, read more. And they're like, what the fuck does that have to do with it? I'm like, no, no, read more. And they couldn't understand. Right. And I'm like, dude, read more, go sit on your couch. And instead of sitting on your phone, pick up a book. Guess what your two-year-old's going to want to do? Mm-hmm. I want to read a book. I don't want to be on the tablet. Why? Because you're setting that example that the tablet probably isn't the best for them. Should they be on a tablet once in a while? Hell yeah. They need to learn technology. Like things are, the world's not just going to, you know, stay with pencils and paper, right? Like they need to learn these things. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, it needs to be the the core of their life because it's also terrible for them. For anyone that thinks that, you know, Wi-Fi and 5G is all great for you. It's like, well, talk to the people that aren't paid by the companies doing the studies and understand how terrible like our bodies did not evolve fast enough to keep up with this. So don't think that we're safe. Right. This is all foreign. But well, that's a conversation for another day, but we can, oh, for let's, sure. let's, let's connect the dots real quick on this one. So let's do it. I think it needs Thomas, to be done. Yes, it needs to be done. <laughs> Thomas Cowan. If you know, don't know Dr. Thomas Cowan, look him up. He has a 10 minute video breaking down the 5g and coronavirus connection. And if you don't do that, all you really need to know is that any time in history, there has been a quantum leap in EMFs a pandemic has followed. For example, in the fall of 1917, when they created radio waves, the Spanish flu followed in 1918. So now all of us extremists that are talking about 5G being connected to the coronavirus, we have just had a quantum leap in EMFs. The first completely blanketed city in 5G technology was Wuhan, China. Toronto, where I live, there's a map you can look up where five where the 5G um, locations are. In March of 2020, they were there are purple dots to locate all of the 5G towers. There were three purple dots in the whole city of Toronto in March 2020. If you click on that map today, you will see a big purple blob that covers the entire city of Toronto. And so here we are being exposed to all of this new electromagnetic uh, radiation. And we're wondering why people are people who are already sick and dying, who have vulnerable systems are dying. Why are they dying? Because their systems cannot handle this quantum leap in technology. That we're exposed to exactly and for anyone that thinks that rf has nothing to do with our health and elon musk saying oh don't worry about it man 5g is not gonna hurt you you'll be just fine joe don't worry about it it's like oh yeah really so explain this to me then elon so when i was at a company called telecom that i used to work with i did telecommunications i used to put up the satellites and connect dishes between buildings right wow. so when people try to tell me that there's no connection i'm like oh really so here's how this works so i used to have to climb up there i'd have to install the new box that is powered by the main power of the building right and then i have to put on this thing called an rf meter on my chest which only allows me to be between two dishes 
for like seven minutes and then you start mutating like shit is but you you start getting real hot you start feeling like you're being cooked from the inside out right so that's seven minutes in front of that now for this to go to the satellite on the other building which is a mile away that I'm pointing this thing at. I have to have a person over there and a person with me and we have calculations to point them at each other. And then we triangulate a signal between these things and that powers everything in that triangle. So you, you think, okay, so I can't be there for seven minutes, but you think you can be around that all day and you're going to be fine. And now these 5g things are literally like, I see some of them that are like, directly beside someone's window and guess where they're putting them low-income buildings that look like they're about to fall apart uh long-term care facilities schools okay no connection though none at all um yeah we we won't make the connection i mean all of the boxes for the company that puts them up uh you know all the 5g boxes just have the word delta on the side but uh let's not talk about the delta variant anymore um (laughs) it's pretty yeah it's pretty pretty fucking interesting how all of this works right if somebody kept saying mastercard 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 and then you applied for a mastercard in the mail and it fucked up your life i'm pretty sure you would say no more mastercard right but they this time right everybody's dumb and everybody just forgot how this game of life works oh yeah oh it's such a so what have you what have you done like in your personal life, like outside of the whole 100 million moms, like what does Steph do to clear her mind once in a while? Because I know this all gets super heavy. So what are some of the steps you take to kind of cleanse the mind, the body, the soul, just to get back to you, to ground yourself? So I would love to say that I meditate every day and I work on my mindfulness consistently. I don't. I try some, I'll, I'll turn on a guided meditation or some music and I'll take some deep breaths and then I'll get distracted with something. But what really lights me up is anything creative. I play the guitar. I no sing. shit. You play the guitar? Yeah. Hey, bonfire time. <laughs> That's it. Um, I sing, I dance and I try to make time in my week, every single week to do all of those things. Yes, I have to make time to be in nature, put my feet, my bare feet in the ground. I live right by the water. So that's really does a lot for my mental health, just even being and seeing the water regularly. But to me, I need to to take action. I need to move my body in ways that feel good. I need to um, just use that creative side of my brain. Yeah, no, no doubt. Because the other day in the park, man, you was going ham. I saw you <laughs> in there. I was like, hey, there you go. <laughs> but it's the only time that I literally can turn off. Yeah, absolutely. The the logical, rational thinking mind, and just zone out into the what am mind. I trying to do with my hips yeah. right now? The and primitive like, mind. You know, yep. Exactly. And that's why I love the guitar so much because one hand has to like figure out the chords and the other hand has to strum. And then if you throw singing on top of that, it's like you'll be playing for an hour and then realize you didn't think of anything heavy for that whole time. And I wasn't trying to meditate, but it was a meditation. So for anyone who's like me and struggles with like sitting cross-legged and like putting you your could, hands in a yeah. prayer position and, and breathing for an hour. Like 
do something. Walking meditation, man. Walking meditation is amazing because you can just throw your headphones in and honestly just put even, even without your headphones. Right. But if you do have headphones, don't be listening to your fucking favorite rock band as you're going through. Like, dude, sometimes just unplug and walk through there and just think of nothing. But why I say it's a little better to go on trails when I say to do that is because you're typically going to want to go like early morning when there's no one there. So you can truly be just you and your lack of thoughts <laughs> right and it's so powerful and even just letting your thoughts like i think that people think that meditation has to be this thing where your mind is empty and free of thought but i oh. think that when a thought comes up and you can acknowledge it and then just let it pass through without giving it too much attention that's that's really important too right because i think we're we're stuck in this like yeah overthinking and overstimulation especially with social media i'm like i have a problem with that myself like same 100 part of the reason i'm so uh engaged in 100 million moms is because i'm always on my fucking stupid phone and i'm always yeah. looking at the new information that's coming in and reading things and watching things and it's like i gotta back off of that i we have to back off of the the constant input and start just working on just being in the present moment be with your kids sit on the floor play with them yeah go for a walk do some exercise cook do it like literally do anything that gets your mind thinking about that one task rather than having a million tabs open in your head all the things i have to do all the things i want to say let it go. And you know? one of the ways that I uh, explain the way I meditate to people is I picture every time I go into meditation as though I'm holding a bunch of helium filled balloons. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I take a, like, I take a couple deep breaths. I get myself into the zone where you start feeling a little tingly all over because you are highly oxygenated and then you really can just kind of relax. And as I'm starting to relax, I'll take a deep breath in of positivity and then I'll think of something that's really gotten on my nerves or something I need to work on with me and I pretend it's written on the balloon and as I exhale I let the balloon go it's gone there's no more of it it's gone right and it it works really well for me and if you want to get even a little more into your thoughts um, it's a little extreme for most people but try a float tank Um, if you have the ability to get into a like a sensory deprivation tank it'll scare the shit out of you for one how much your ears ring from all the signal that's around you all the time you're going to hear your ears humming like a NASCAR in there. It's fucking insane, right? Um, so I couldn't stand it because I could hear my breath so loud. Yeah, but you got to think to, to <laughs> Darth Vader. <laughs> but it, it's, it's all of that, right? Like it's getting rid of absolutely everything else. And for people that don't know, there's like 900 pounds of magnesium in one of those things, right? Like they put that much Epsom salt. You're literally in like six inches of water and you're floating. right it's it's insane so what it's good it's good for like decompression of the spine and because gravity no longer exists so your joints feel great but it's very uh, wear a mask when you go in one now (laughs) oh no no i think you have to wear a full body suit like a full covid hazmat (laughs) you see it's so stupid that we even have to think of that going into so you're going somewhere to alleviate the outside world but i need to wear a i'm i'm fucking done man (laughs) This is why I just like 
I was talking to someone today. I'm like, our store's open. Like, can I go buy my daughter some underwear? She's potty training. And they're like, stores have been open for like four weeks. And I'm like, it's so funny you say that, bro. I just, yeah, I just found that out like two weeks ago. I'm sitting there and I'm still talking shit like, oh, I can go here, but I can't fucking get my wife's like, actually, dumbass. Uh, you can. <laughs> oh. Okay. oh, thanks. Thanks, honey. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> so in the uh in the realm of you know how you got into the like living off the land and you know the the natural world of things without having the access of being a person that lives in the city what about that because i know a lot of people feel this way i get these messages all the time because i'm the fucking nature guy apparently um <laughs> so um what do you find so fearful about it? Because I know you like to be in nature. Everyone does. Right. But what is it about the whole thing that becomes, you know, real heavy to think about? Well, for one, I'm, I'm a single mom, right. So not having like that partnership to like rely on someone like the, the masculine, especially having that like person that's there to like protect you. Right. So I think of myself, like, in the country with nobody around it feels lonely to me the thought of that but I also don't know what I'm doing when it comes to like growing food I'm growing a few things out here there's like bugs all over the place and I'm like ah I can't even grow like two plants without like freaking out and just I just don't know I wasn't raised to to learn about these things to like Build, grow my own food and then preserve it and like you know I want to eat a variety of things I want to eat meat I want to eat nuts yeah. and seeds I want to eat fruits and vegetables and I can't grow all of those things and so how am I supposed to live the way like my daughter can eat like a champ like she'll eat four lamb chops and I'm like I want to be able to provide my daughter with this beautiful wide variety of food that I can literally just go down the street and grab, you know, a pineapple yeah. if I feel like it. Yeah. You know, this is what scares me. It's like, I don't, I, I don't have the skills to live off the land. And I know there's ways around that, like connecting with farmers and like, you know, um, bartering and all this kind of stuff. But, but, to be 100% transparent, like, I would love to be a city girl forever. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I love the city. I love that I can go to a restaurant and eat, like, Iranian food. <laughs> I know, and, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, Toronto has some of the best food in the whole world that you can get any different culture's food at the snap of a finger. And I like that. So, yeah, I guess if I had to... For survival I would figure it out and do what I had to do but it is scary to me because I like convenience and I like variety and I like yeah. you know diversity <laughs> yeah so I guess that's that's what it is for most people is that they just kind of it's it's almost easy in a sense to live in the city right like yeah you deal with a lot more people you deal with a lot more of everything but there's also this like this weird vibration that comes from toronto that 
and especially Toronto. And that's only because like, you know, I've been all across Ontario and Toronto is the best city was the best city that, and, and I actually just want to touch on this real quick that when we went for that first, um, you know, worldwide freedom rally, uh, I believe that was in March. Was it in March of this year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. The real big one, we had like 10 to 15,000 people there or something. It was, it, and th- that was the first time. I mean, the the first one, but it was still huge, right? Like, we didn't expect that. So, when I got off the highway, and I'm coming from Brantford, where, dude, it's very rare that anyone even fucking questions you about your mask. No one cares, man. Like, we've had days around here that have zero cases. So, everyone's just kind of like, fucking whatever, do you think? Um, But when I got into the city, I remember being so disappointed at the city I grew up in. Because it's, it's like, the way I described it was... You know, this place that I used to look at that used to remind me of, you know, those like colorful lights that are like fucking swirling amongst each other. And, you know, they're like in the front of someone's house and it lights the house up. That's what Toronto was like for me. I had all this color and diversity. And and then I went down there and it was like this gray wash has just it was unreal. Right. To see the the life just gets sucked out of the city and these fucking face diaper drones are just walking around outside when it's beautiful sunny day and you got your, your, your smiles covered. And like, it's just, it's so weird. But like when you live in the city, man, you have access. Well, did let's just talk as though it's, you know, 1999, (laughs) but you know, the city was, it's that place, right? Like, grocery store cool go to the grocery store because you know in the country the grocery stores don't have anywhere near as much shit as a loblaws does right i can go to a loblaws and buy a fucking live lobster right (laughs) like just think about that for a minute i have access within five minutes of my house right now i have three places i can go and buy a live lobster something from saltwater that is nowhere fucking near me right it's pretty unreal how you can get accustomed to that. And then when it, you know, comes to your kids, like if it was just you, you're just kind of like, you know what, I could fucking forage and eat some eggs and like yeah. it's stuck, but I'm good. But once you have a kid and you see how happy they are and how well their little body thrives off of the diversity of food, it probably is a terrifying experience, right? To think that I might not be able to provide this one day and it could be something that is like, you know, what what feels like the like I'm a terrible parent now, even though it's not you, it's the source is gone, right? Like, what do you do? So, and also too, I want to say that like you know your two plants and stuff and all the bugs and all the frustration, like that's also in in the city. For some reason, shit in the city just doesn't fucking grow well. I don't know what it is, but uh, you know you're doing it, <laughs> right? I'm trying to like, you know, practice what I preach. So like who, how can I preach about like learning to live sustainably if I can't even attempt to grow some, some food. So yeah, that, I mean, I, I have a, like Toronto has a special place in my heart. My grandfather came from Italy in the 1950s. He built the CN tower for fuck's sakes. Like my city, like, I, I was actually born in Quebec because my dad was in the army, but like, since I was three, I've been in Toronto and I grew up like inner city. Like I went to Oakwood, like it was the most diverse high school. And I just, I'm so grateful for everything that my city has 
given me. And so I feel a sense of ownership of it. And I feel like I have to fight for it as hard as I can. Everyone's like, let's go to Florida. Let's go to Costa Rica. Let's go here and there. And I'm like, I'm going to stick. I'm going to stay here and fight. Worst case scenario, I'm going an hour outside of my city and, and, you know, hold it down until the war is over and then I'm coming back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess in wrapping this up, I give every guest the ability to leave the audience with either your opinions or your feelings. And then, you know, to end it off with something positive because we're living in a world right now that is just inherently sinister and, and defeating in every which way you look at it. So uh, leave everybody with something, you know, real positive and uh, give, give them something to think about. No pressure. (laughs) Uh, So I think I have to come back to the idea that everything happens for a purpose. And, and this is, this is my own opinion, but this is the way, this is the lens that I view life through. And, and I believe that everything is divinely planned and our soul knows exactly what it's doing. Even when you make stupid decisions, even when you look back on regret, like, oh, I wish I didn't do that. That was all for a reason. So when you start to look at life in this way, it kind of becomes really magical. Because when I'm really upset about something and I'm crying or I'm angry or I'm frustrated, There's a little part of me at the back of my mind that's like, all right, but what are you learning from this experience? What are you getting? Here's the, this is the juice of life. What are you going to extract from it? And then when I, when there's like a crazy plot twist in my life, I kind of like almost talk to myself like I am not me. And I'm like, ah, interesting, well played. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what you're doing this for, you know? Like, let's see where this takes us. So if we think of life as this adventure for the soul, so we're not trying to like escape death, then it becomes a lot easier, right? Like I was never, once I started thinking like this, I was never afraid of death. And then I had a child and I was like, oh my God, I can't die ever this child needs me but literally if i die tomorrow that is my story but it's also my daughter's story mm-hmm. that's an ad- adversity that she was meant to go through yeah. to grow up since the age of three without her mom and that's going to strengthen her soul in ways that she already planned for her soul to be strengthened so when you think of it like that like whatever happens happens it's going to be beautiful it's going to be great and our soul is just thriving and growing with every step of the way so that's 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 as positive as it gets <laughs> <laughs> well that uh that was amazing the conversation the message everything yeah absolutely all righty well thanks for coming on
Thank you for tuning in to the Freedom Frontline podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Steph and 100 Million Moms and their initiative, visit 100millionmoms.ca. You can also find her on Instagram at 100millionmoms. That's 100millionmoms, as well as at glowingmamafit. You can also reach me on Instagram at fr33domfr0ntline. That's Freedom Frontline on Instagram. And until next time, this is the Freedom Frontline podcast.